When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Coach Unplugged. Super excited you decided to join us. Before we jump in, I'd just like to give a quick shout out to Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market. Mention Coach Unplugged and they get $350 off. Know that they they will work on financing and they will work on trading trade-ins. They'll give you up to uh, $1,500 on a trade-in. So it's a great deal. Um, also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. When you, when you start looking in your closet, you start looking in your coach's office and you see those big stack of DVDs and old VHS tapes and you're spending all this time on YouTube, why do that? Go over and check out teachhoops.com. It's one-stop shop. It's everything you need to become a better basketball coach. It's a community. It's resources. It's one-on-one calls. You know, when you're stuck, I, I think I was on three calls today with with coaches, um, helping them not only with frustrations, but with figuring out how to win playoff games. So come over and let, let my 30 years of experience help you win more games. Come over and check it out, teachhoops.com. Let's head off to the podcast. Okay, so that's not as bad. You know, I, we're in Wisconsin, and like five days ago, it snowed like four inches. So, you know. Yeah, we're, not, we're not getting any of that. <laughs> yeah, you don't miss any of that. Um, so I have been, let me just tell you, first of all, I am a, I'm a huge fan. Um, not only, um, you know, watching from afar. You know, I'm, I, I'm obviously a Wisconsin guy, and obviously with the Bennetts and, and Bo Ryan and stuff, we're big pack line people in Wisconsin, but I've been a big fan of yours for a really long time. So I want to get that out first. Um, I love the stuff that you do and kind of how you teach it. Um, so I'm a fan. I kind of know your past and your history and where you've been. Um, but I'm going to have, um, what I'm going to do is have you kind of introduce and give the cliff note, spark note version of kind of your basketball journey, um, where you started and how you ended. And I know you just got a new job. So kind of where we are now. And then, uh, and then this is very conversational. We'll just talk basketball. I've, I have a bunch of questions I'd love to ask you. And uh, I know people that listen to this would love to ask. And then uh, we'll go from there. Absolutely. Okay? All right. Absolutely. All right. Um, 
Well, you've already introduced me as uh, Jim Boone. I'm the head basketball coach at the University of Arkansas, Fort Smith. It's, um, it's been a journey for me. This is my, um, will be my 34th year as a head coach. I, um, you know, I didn't go to a, a Duke or a Kentucky or North Carolina, so I really don't have a pedigree, so to speak. So I've kind of had to earn my way, earn my stripes, and uh, usually that's been by taking a bad job. Right. So we've well, I, I, I'm, our- I'm not kidding. I bet, I bet I get asked, especially this time of year, I bet I get asked once a day, how can I get a job? How, what goes into the interview process? How can I get the next job? And it's crazy the number of times I've asked that question. Um, and I think there's more than one way to get from point A to point B. But There are. Yeah. There's so many different ways to move. And, you know, I probably was not prepared for my first head coaching job. I was very fortunate to inherit the program at California University of Pennsylvania. I was only 27 years old. And, um, you know, it was uh, on the outside looking in, it was, it was a losing program. I think they had won four or five games a year before. Right. But – once you got into it, rolled your sleeves up, I had a, a great returning roster. There had been a couple of guys recruited that people didn't know about. The head coach had left to take another uh, position as an assistant coach. And I was really fortunate that I inherited uh, an assistant coach. And a lot of times you're like, hey, you know, you don't want someone who either tried to get the job or was associated with the program. But in this case, at Cal PA, it was the absolute best thing to happen to me to have Phil Stewart as my assistant. Um, the, the rest is history there. Ten great years. Moved on. Took the Robert Morris job in Pittsburgh. That's an, Before we get to the Robert Morris one, that, yeah. it sounds like a very similar journey to me that when I got my job, I was the only applicant. It was a horrible – they hadn't won in 30 years. <laughs> and, and one of the hires I hired was a former head. He became a principal, but I hired him because he knew kind of the community and stuff. Um, right. so it, it, it's, you have, you have to ask questions when you take jobs, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So yeah, then Robert really Morris. Do. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was, and again, I was very fortunate to have, uh, Phil, um, he and his wife ended up being dear friends of ours and still are today. He's, he has since retired. Um, right. but yeah, I, I went to Robert Morris university and it, I turned the job down a couple of times. It was Robert Morris college then great reputation. That's where five-star basketball camp was held. You know, all the best players in the nation attended that camp, whether it was yep. Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, Moses Malone. I mean, you go down the list. They were. You and I are old enough to remember that. I went to I went to five-star and blue chip when I was a player, and that <laughs> and, and 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 I tell my kids this, I tell the kids I saw I saw uh, Larry Bird play Akeem Olajuwon one-on-one. Um, Wow. And it, oh yeah, it was crazy. And and they look at me like, what, "What are you talking about?" I go, "Well, that was pre AAU. Like you had, it was you went to one of those camps if you wanted to get seen." Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. Uh, there yeah. was AAU didn't really exist, and then it, even when AAU really ramped it up, uh, Five Star was still going strong with Howard Garfinkel, and right, you know, he was a treasure that we lost a couple of years ago. But he was, uh, he, he really was. And, he was and, a super uh, person. I got to meet him when we were at Myrtle Beach, and he took one of my players under the, his wing, and like it was, uh, it was great. Yeah, Howard was a, Howard was 
they don't make them like that anymore. <laughs> he ran his camp. He ran it his way, yep. and it was only that way. Yep. He, he was. He was special. He was. He um, wanted to be on his list for sure. Yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we ended up turning that around and and uh, took the team in four years to the conference title game uh, on ESPN, and that led to my next. Uh, step in our journey that was taking the Eastern Michigan University job and uh, was not a good job. You know, I didn't realize what a mess it was. Um, there was just all kind of things wrong with it to make a, a long story short. We turned that around. We ended up, uh, you know, bringing them back to respectability. And then I had an opportunity to, to make a decision. Um, and, you know, Eastern Michigan was the first time that I faced a situation where my contract wasn't renewed. Right. And, uh, you know, what are we going to do? We've been doing this forever. It's our lives. It's who we are, my wife, my two sons. And I had a chance to coach my son. He was uh, a junior in high school. He was going to be a senior. And I... I was given uh, – I knew he wasn't good enough to play at Eastern. He was a good right. player, solid right. player. But he wanted to play for me. And how special is that to have a son that, that wants to play for you? That's on my, that's on my list so, of questions for you because I have a son that's a junior in high school too. So I have, I have some questions for you on that one. But go ahead. Well, we wouldn't <laughs> trade it for anything. Yeah. We, we'll get to that shortly. Yeah. But um, I, I turned down some Division One major college division one assistant coaching jobs so that I could go to Tusculum College in Greenville, Tennessee, a small division two institution in the South Atlantic Conference. And I had an opportunity to coach Jimmy for four years uh, after he completed his senior year. And it was awesome. I wouldn't trade it, wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, that led me to go home. West Virginia Wesleyan offered me a job and I had a chance to go home and I was happy with that. I'm from West Virginia. It was literally the campus is two hours from where my dad lives right now. And I thought this will be our last stop. Uh, hired Jimmy as a, uh, as a grad assistant, quasi grad assistant. Um, and after a year, I'm sitting in my apartment. We really hadn't had a chance to move yet because nobody bought our house. So my right. wife, she's holding the fort down in Greenville, Tennessee. And, Again, I'm sorry to elaborate, but to make no, a this is story, interesting. Short, I get a call from a, a lady I'd gotten to know really well, who was the athletic director at the University of New Orleans at the at that time, Amy Champion, and she said, "Do you know that the Delta State University job is open?" And I said, "No." And she said, "Well, I think it's everything that you're looking for." And I said, "Well, Amy, I'm home. I, I you know, I'm, right. I'm not going anywhere." And she goes, "Well, listen." And she uh, goes through all this uh, list of things that were important that she knew were important to me. And I said, well, what do I need to do? Oh, two weeks later, I was the head coach at Delta State. Uh, we had a great seven-year run here. Wouldn't trade it for anything. Awesome opportunity. We went to three NCAA tournaments in that seven-year period. Should have been at four, got left out one year. Um, won a lot of games, had two two different guys that ended up being player of the year in the league three different times. And then I get a call a few, 
few weeks ago from uh, the athletic director at the University of Arkansas, Fort Smith, and what a treasure. Uh, not only him, Curtis Jans, former basketball coach, but the university, the community, and what they want to do with their program. And it right. just aligned perfectly with us, the opportunity to hire my son, Jimmy, as our assistant. And we took it. So we jumped so in. How, so what do, you look for, what do you look for when you're, what do you look for when you're looking at, at a job like that? What do you, what, what, what specifically do you look at when you're looking for, for a job? Well, frankly, in this situation, I, I, we, we were in a very good situation here at Delta State. We kind of built a tradition, if you will, where our players were coming back in the summers to, you know, to be a part of our team camps and other camps to work them to play, where we were very well known throughout our region and state. But we, we've been very, you know, Steve, I've been blessed. We've, we've won a lot of games because we've had great players. Right. We've been to two Final Fours, I think eight Sweet Sixteens, been ranked numerous years. We're on the winningest active list for Division Two coaches. Uh, but I, when Fort Smith called, it was an opportunity to do a couple of different things. First and foremost, I believe it's a school that you can have it all. So to answer your question, it's a university where you have the campus, the support system, the facilities, the community and area that you can attract the best Division II players in the country, I believe. And so, therefore, you can have great people who are great students who are there to get their degree first and foremost, but who also are very talented and you have an opportunity to compete at a national level. Right. So for us, that was the missing piece, that we yeah. have a chance now to take a program where we feel on a year-in and year-out basis we're going to have an opportunity to compete at, a, at an elite level. Right. And then, Steve, frankly, secondly, it was the opportunity to hire my son. Right. No, I, I mean, that's what – there's a couple things. First of all, I think for anybody applying for any job, it's, it's what kind of administration do you have, what kind of support do you have, what kind of facilities do you have, what kind of kids can you get to come to your school – all those things I think are so important and you kind of know when you find it <laughs> and you, you yeah. know, when you, right. you haven't found it, you know, you know, when you see it and right. uh, you, you hit the nail on the head, the key for me in listening and moving forward in that process was their athletic director, Curtis Jans, um, tremendous person. I mean, just quality family guy. He gets it. He understands basketball. He understands college athletics. He'd been an athletic director for 11 years at two different institutions. And uh, he just we, – we were just totally taken in by him and his family and knew it was the right decision. Right. So give me – give me – so this is where I'm a little naive. Give me – I mean, I understand – the difference between the levels, but explain to me the difference between the job. Obviously there's money involved, but explain the difference between like a D two job and a D one job. Explain, explain to the people listening really what's the difference between those specific types of jobs. 
Well, the, the two biggest differences are that the Division II job has one less uh, one behind its name than the Division I job. Right. And secondly... Uh, hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this. Uh, make sure you subscribe, no matter where you listen to podcasts. Um, Spotify, Apple. We love those Apple podcasts. So we're doing really well on those Apple podcasts. Um, also, go over and check out teachubes.com for coaches who want to get better. We always ask our players to get better and work on their game. I, um, I'm, I'm challenging you to do the same thing right now and come and work on your game. Um, and then if you're looking for some more listening stuff, um, don't want to pay for Audible and want to listen, um, we also have high school hoops that Jake and I put on once a week. And then we have teacher side gig. For all those teachers that have a side gig and uh, trying to make ends meet, come over and listen to other teachers um, that have that have a side gig. I, it intrigues me. I, I, I love doing those podcasts. So, um, all right, let's head back to ours. Bye. You 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 only have ten scholarships instead okay. of the thirteen. Okay. So and and a lot of Division twos, well, not a lot. Some Division twos don't have the, the maximum that you're allowed to give, which is the ten full okay. scholarships, and I would add probably one more component to that, other than the one we all know. You mentioned the money that's involved, right. the budgets right. that are involved, and the yes. notoriety that's involved. Yep. And 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 I would like to get back to that in a second, but the uh, in division two, in division one, when you give a young man a scholarship, that's that's that scholarship, and you're allowed thirteen of those. But in division two, you're allowed ten equivalencies. Okay. And an equivalency is what it takes to fully scholarship one individual at your institution and without getting too uh technical on this you know if you get a young man that receives a lot of academic financial aid then conceivably he could get all the athletic money to pay for him to go to school uh stacked with that academic aid and so he's only about a 0.75 rather than a 1.0 or whatever right. it might be right so we typically and in our situation at fort smith we're, we'll probably have anywhere between 12 and 14 young men that are on full scholarship. Okay. Taking up those 10 equivalencies. Okay. But here, here's the big thing for me at division two, and I've coached at both levels, the small division one level that at the time that I was at Eastern Michigan university, we were the ninth ranked uh, conference in division one basketball in the, in right. the nation. So, um, the biggest thing about Division Two that has really attracted me and kept me at Division Two is I, I think you get kids that are more about graduating and the experience, and not that they're not that way at Division One because I know they all. Hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying that. Um, if you could right now leave us a review. Even if it's just a five-star review, that's great. Or if it's a written review, I read every one of them. They do mean a lot to us no matter where you listen, especially on iTunes. Um, also, make sure you go over and check out teachubes.com for coaches who want to get better. We're all kind of creeping up. We can see basketball season off there in the in the horizon. Um, can't imagine a better time to come join before all the changes that are going to be happening happen. Um, also, if you would like to help us out um, in any shop, do any shopping on Amazon, you can click our Amazon link down below. And that would be one way. Um, every time you purchase something, we get a, a little uh, little kickback in, you know, as an affiliate link. So I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Let's get back to it. I'm telling you, the D3 level, the coaches that are coaching D3 now, it's crazy. Oh, it's, oh, it's incredible. unbelievable. You've got the best coaches in the country, or, or in my opinion, are at the Division Three and Division Two levels. Right.
because um, they're there to coach. Right. They're coaching their teams. Yeah. Yeah. They're coaching them up. They really are. All right. So I, you're, you're a huge pack. You're a huge pack line guy. Um, I'm a high school coach, so I don't get, I like, I'm, I had an open gym today, but I'm not coaching my guys year round. So let's say we come to November. What would, if I could, what would be the five keys to me? To, what, if you could only pick five things for me to emphasize all year on, on defense, what would it be? Well, for us, we call it to know your nose and we actually have seven. Okay. If, okay. If we I can do seven. If I could remember all of okay. them off the top of my head, which okay. I, I probably can, uh, because they're really important to us. Right. And it's not just as it's not just important that I know them, that our coaching staff knows them. It's important that our players know them. <laughs> the number one thing for us is uh, no paint. Not as a pack line team. No matter what, we cannot allow the ball to get the paint. If the ball gets the paint, that's code red nine one one. Right. We have to get it out of there. And I always tell my guys, it's if that ball gets the paint, there better be consequences. Either we're taking a charge, we're blocking a shot, or um, uh, we're going to foul. We're are you so? Are up. you saying? Are you saying? Are you saying no paint like in a pass, no paint in a dribble? The balls, the ball should not get caught in the paint area. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. The okay. ball cannot get the paint. And we've restricted the area that we have to defend, which should enable us to do a much better job of keeping the ball out of paint, which is why we play the pack. We want to keep the ball out of paint. Okay. Um, the, the second thing is, uh, and this is a big one for us that doesn't apply to uh, some programs, no baseline. We cannot allow the ball to be a driven baseline because we have no help other than the baseline there. Okay. So our whole key is, and you say, okay, you're forcing the middle. No, we're not. We're not forcing the ball middle. Oh, that's semantics, coach. No, it's not. We're not gonna. We're not gonna allow the ball to beat his baseline. But we are not forcing it middle. Our whole goal is to stay squared up with the ball and keep it in front of us. Okay. Uh, have you have you thought of of because I'm a stats teacher too. I teach statistics, and, and I've and I've tracked this for like maybe like five six years. Have you thought of of and it's probably not as big at your level as it is at mine. We we sometimes push weak hand because kids do not go as well to their weaker hand than their stronger hand. My guess is even at the D three or D two level, they probably don't finish quite as well going to their weak hand. Have you ever thought of anything like that? We have, and I think that's terrific. And we've played against we, – we'll really zero in on a scouting report. That's the part of scouting that we're um, the more intense on. I'm not as concerned about how many plays or actions or things you do. It's about the individual tendencies of your players. Okay. Um, but I do think this. Uh, and as a, as a pack line coach, we don't – want to switch we try to avoid that there are a couple situations we will have switches that will occur and for us it's uh personnel acceptable because we have the shot clock so we're going right. to we're going to only have to defend a mismatch for a minimum amount of seconds right no we we think it's important to maintain the integrity of your matchup so that's why we don't I want my best guy guarding your best offensive player, my best defender. I want my it's best all. defender that can guard penetration to guard your best player. So okay. because of that, maybe we can get more focused on we can. But, Steve, I've always felt this. In the heat of the battle, 
it's really hard to to change what you're doing. Okay, I'm on the right wing. Right. So the the guy has no left hand. I'm gonna try to force him middle. Now I'm on the left wing. He the same guy who has no left hand. I'm gonna try to force him baseline. Right. Players, we try to teach how we're going to play. We always say this: game prep starts day one of practice. How we're going to guard screens, how we're going to guard the ball screen, how we're going to defend doesn't change throughout the season. Okay. So consequently, our hope is that our team will consistently get better each and every day that we're right. on the court because we're doing the same things over and over. And it's simple, and it's simple. Okay, so those are two big ones. What? Any other big ones that you would? Yeah, uh, no direct drives. You know, we can't let the ball just blow by us. Uh, somehow, some way, we've got to be able to arc the dribble to, uh, you know, to push it out in some way. We can't just let the ball – like, for instance, we can't close out in such a way that the ball just blows right by us. That can't happen. And so how do you, so how do you, how do you deal with – so <laughs> this is some of our issues we had, especially last year, is – you know, we were in the right position, but but I wasn't quite as athletic as the guy was defending, and all of a sudden he'd go around. I call them direct line drives. We cannot yeah. let direct line drives because like then, then we can't get our rotation. Um, so how do you work on that? How do you work on that skill during, during practice and stuff? Well, the number one thing is you've got to play a lot of one-on-one, and you've got to close out from that one-on-one to play. And okay. players, you'll, you'll get a couple of things that will occur from that. Number one, they'll start to understand what their limitations are. And so we always say we want to guard the ball as hard as we possibly can without fouling or giving up that direct line drive. Right. That yep. Heard to. Yeah. Um, so the big key on us in direct drives is it gets down to closeouts. And with closeouts, it means that we've got to be able to finish hard and short. We, if you get up into the ball, the ball's going to beat you. There's got to be a degree of cushion. Right. I think the two best friends for any defender are cushion and movement of your feet. Football. Okay. That's yeah, I, yeah I agree. It, yeah, well, I was at the Final Four, and they were talking I – don't, I don't know if it was Beeline. It was somebody. But they were basically talking about working on all the different types of closeouts and how you close outs yeah. and the run buys and all that. And that, and we've worked on that before, but that was a whole different level of, um, of that. I always say you are who you can guard. <laughs> that oh, you know, that, that might be the difference probably. between D two and D one is like, you are who you can guard. If you can guard uh-huh. Kobe, you can play there, you know, kind of thing, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, how do you, how do you do that in practice? You do you work it specifically in closeouts or do you do it in small breakdowns? Uh, we do it both. We do it in okay. small breakdowns one-on-one. I think you've got to guard the ball one-on-one. Your players have to learn how to guard the ball. Okay. There's only one way to do that, and that's to be forced to do it one-on-one in practice. But we'll also do two-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four, five-on-five closeouts. And then we want to work specifically from the different positions on the floor and different angles of delivery of the pass in our closeouts. Okay. There's nothing that we work on more than closeouts. Really? That's that's the number one thing that we're going to work on from September to, to March. Okay. More than, more than, more than specific rotations. Cause your kids are probably good enough. Like my guys are fine on the first rotation. It's this, it's, they'll get there to help on the first thing. It's that second rotation at the high school level that we really have to work on. Um, 
So it's like, oh gosh, I gotta, I gotta limit. It's interesting that you, the closeouts are your, are your most common. And maybe it's cause that's something they don't do a good job of at the younger when they, when you get them initially. I, I just think it's the hardest thing to teach to keep the ball in front. And you know, it's uh, the ball's moving. And see, to get, there's, there's, a couple of really big – there's three big keys, I think, in understanding the pack line defense. And to give you just a little bit of a uh, history, when I took the Robert Morris job, I inherited a team that hadn't had a winning year in seven years. Right. We had always been an up-the-line, on-the-line, switch-like screens, and put as much pressure on the ball as you can during our entire ten years at California University. Okay. But we started finding as we got into years seven, eight, nine, even though our teams were really good, maybe despite what we were doing, um, our pressure wasn't as uh, efficient, particularly once we got into league play and played teams that had played against us and understood who we were for a number of years and then in the postseason play. So then when I took the Robert Moore shop, all of a sudden I inherited a team, great guys, had some of the best kids you could ever expect to have and I think they would tell you the same thing today we just weren't very good I mean they weren't a very talented group <laughs> I've had some of so, those you want them to marry you want them to marry your daughter yeah you want them to marry your daughter yeah in that period of time oh absolutely yeah. you'd want to bring them home for dinner and to marry your daughter but you yeah. certainly didn't want to go to war with them in a basketball yes. game yes but at that period of time um it was a lot harder than it is now because you weren't allowed any work with your team until October 15th, other than conditioning and weightlifting and that kind of thing. Right. So we went through a week of practice and it became, uh, just ex extremely, uh, obvious. Right. This team did not have the talent to get up and pressure the basketball and deny passing lanes. And coach Bennett had been at Wisconsin for a year. So okay. I'd called out and talked to uh, Brad Soderberg, his yep. assistant at the time, who's now one of Tony, Dick's yep. son's assistants yep. at uh, Virginia. Yep. And they invited me out. So I, I practiced on a Thursday morning at 6 a.m., got my car from Pittsburgh, drove the, the day to get to Madison, yep. stayed the night, visited for a while in their offices on Friday, watched practice Friday afternoon, came back on Saturday, uh, saw Saturday morning, they had like a, a scrimmage Saturday afternoon and then came back on Sunday and watched uh, practice. They got in the car and drove all night so our team could practice on uh, Monday. Right. Probably the best thing I ever did. And that's where we started Okay. the pack line defense. And it brings me back to those three things. The, and I didn't understand these at the time. The number one thing is you've got to pressure the basketball as hard as you possibly can. Without getting beat, one -on -one. so 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 that's the so so what you're saying is that's so that's my thing. It's like I'll tell them to pressure; they will literally get up in their in and they'll go around them. So you're saying it's almost like a pressure, and then for some kids it might be a pressure and a little bit of a retreat, so you don't get those direct line drives, something well, like that. If you don't have the athletic ability as the person, you don't have the athletic ability or the defensive technique to keep the person that you're defending in front of you, then you've got to give space. Okay. And, and it, it, there's a, you know, maybe you've got to give more space. And so you're giving up a jump shot, but that's what you will right. give that up 
as opposed to giving up that direct line drive. And that's where the one-on-one play comes so important okay. in practice because yep. it allows your players to understand how can I guard this guy who's quicker than I am and keep him in front of me. Okay, so that's that's um, the first thing. Is... That's the first thing. The second thing is um, – and this is this is this is the really big one. Uh, we're already in help, and that's where the pack line comes into place. So we have one person guarding the ball. Our other four defenders must be inside our pack line. And for us, our pack line is at 16 feet. Okay. The third one is we we may not be. We're not. You're not. You can't keep good teams from getting shots. We're not going to keep you from getting shots. But what we can do is we can influence the type of shot you're going to get. So I said our. I think it was our third thing that we talked about going back to the know your nose yep. was to not give up direct drives. Well, our fourth thing is that we harp on constantly is no rhythm threes. I do not want the offense to be able to catch a uh, pass that they can one, two step into it and shoot a three without any resistance. Okay. You've got so, to bother so, that shot. Okay. So what, what, <laughs> yes, I've, I, my, I don't have any hair. That's probably why. Cause I'm so, so what is a rhythm? Explain to me what a rhythm three is. And then is it better to stop the rhythm three and let them have a direct line or is it better to, well, it's better to do dirt. Hey, everybody. If you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe, like, leave a review, jump up and down, run around your house, whatever you need to do. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.